Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast is in your life today. Man, I am hyped. I am hyped like a muda truca. Oh my goodness. First of all, it is Saturday. Yes. Yes, once again, I've been away again. I've been away to the distance, and I'm thinking to myself, when will the great voice of Garcia, this podcast, Outside Comes Volume 2, will return? Well, it just so happens, with a small update, I feel like I should create a new segment called Small Update of Garcia. Nah, that's too long. It's coming. The name is coming. But I just got a new job. I just got a new job with WABC Radio. It's part-time. It's part time, but you know, first of all, I'm gonna get a little bit emotional here. I'm gonna try not to, but I've been trying to break into some kind of industry that helps me not only with voiceover, but to help me in a way further my career in the world of radio for many, many years. Because even before the pandemic, I remember I was trying to apply to everything in the world of television because that was my first love. And then I thought to myself, you know what? My face should not be in front of the camera. My face should be behind the microphone. My voice, my my presence, my my op- opportunistic, whatever the hell I want to say, amazement, my talents, and my passion is behind the microphone. And for many years now, I've been trying my absolute best to try to break into the industry. Fast forward, since my other job... I'm not going to name any names here, <coughs> golf, uh, since my other job loves to be inconsistent with giving me shifts, I thought to myself, you know what, I need to make money, and in order for me to make money, I want to do something that I know I can stay for a long term, you know, for a long term. As long as I'm within New York City, I have to take advantage and at least try to find something that I can enjoy and that I can get paid very well. Fast forward. I applied to WABC Radio, owned by Red Apple Media, and they needed a guy. They needed a guy for part-time. I told them my background. I told them my interest, my passion, my pursuit. And, you know, a few days later, I got hired right away. And I've been working every single day this week from sunup to sundown. But I picked things up quickly, and I am happy. I am so happy that I got to be a part of this opportunity. I've already met so many great people, people that you probably have already know, people that you've heard on the radio. And if you haven't yet, you know, I want to give into one of my big shout outs right now. What you know what? Let, let's save it for a bit. Let, let me just continue on with my point. I'm happy to get this opportunity. And I'm happy on the fact that they allowed me to share my vision and hopefully maybe I can create a new podcast, maybe MMA related within their industry because they're always looking for content. They're always looking for something outside the box. They're always looking for something that has a different perspective than they do because let's face it, whenever we talk about current events, we talk about political stuff, we talk about pretty much anything that goes on with Cuomo and the vaccinations and Trump and Biden and, and Delta variants and all these other stuff, it's like, okay, we need a new voice. We need a young 
talent. What what do you got? What what can you do to bring yourself to the table? And I told him, I have this podcast. I'm a voice talent. I have knowledge on movies. I have knowledge on mixed martial arts. I have knowledge on, you know, the, the everyday lifestyle on certain millennials. Like I have knowledge of all this stuff. And we got to talking. We got to talking. And the rest is history. The rest is history. And I'm I'm not trying to brag. I'm really not trying to brag here, but I'm really happy that I got to this point in my life where not only can I do voiceover during the day, but I can work on something else in terms of radio at night. You know, some kind of differentiate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting stumbling upon my words. Differentiation. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. So some kind of difference within my lifestyle. Because it's not always good to do one thing every single day. You know, you need some kind of change. And like I said, the bills need to be paid. So let me stop rambling on. Once again, huge shout out to WABC. Huge shout out to Greg Kelly, Lydia uh, Saranaha. I'm I'm still trying to pronounce her last name. The next time I see her and meet her again. She needs to tell me how to pronounce her last name so I won't botch it up on this podcast. But, you know, Frankie Russo, last night, I helped produce his show. And that was really fun. I was up from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., 5.30, and I helped produce his show. So, tremendous thanks to every single one of them. Tremendous thanks to, you know, WABC for giving me the opportunity. And I can promise you now, promise you for as long as I can, I promise that I will not let you down. I will do my best to be the best and help your show grow on forward. So humendous, humongous shout out to WABC. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go into our deep dive. The Suicide Squad. Oh my God. The Suicide Squad. We know exactly what we're here for. Let's dive right into it. We're coming back right in a bit. So what happens and what do you get when you have one of the most biggest monopolies ever in Disney deciding to let go one of the greatest directors currently right now giving you Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 and possibly giving you Guardians of the Galaxy 3 in the future and you decide to let him go because of some uh, he said something that was offensive to people over 10 years ago on his tweets and I don't want to be associated with him. (laughs) What happens when you let him go and you have the potential of your rival studio company, Warner Brothers, to come out and say, Hey, James Gunn, hey, yeah, um, why don't you come over to us? Well, well why don't you come over here? The, the grass is greener on this side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, why don't you come over here? And you know what? We'll throw extra money to you. We we want you to have full control. I understand we don't have the greatest track record. Of course we don't. I mean, with our botched films and a couple of times, but we do have some other success with these standalone films, so we're going to give you full control to do whatever it is you want. The Suicide Squad. Wow. 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 First and by far in saying, 
It's not a perfect film. It's not. But it's sure a hell of a good time and way better than the first one from 2016 directed by David Ayer. Oh my goodness. Where do I begin with this movie? As soon as I found out that James Gunn was both writing and directing this film, I have to admit I was a little skeptical. I was a little skeptical and this is probably due to the marketing campaign from Warner Brothers when they do this thing. When they market a film, usually in trailers and promos and, you know, ads and things like that. And they show all these other characters. They, they, they show all these other characters where you're going to have to think to yourself, okay, how the hell can a two-hour film condense and flush out all these other characters? And then, as I was watching the movie, all of a sudden, it hit me. It, it clicked into my brain. Where right away, I thought to myself, oh my god, this is perfect. Because... Whenever you have, and first of all, for one thing, they scrape the bottom of the barrel for these characters, especially in the beginning of the film. I mean, you know, Javelin, uh, uh, Mongol, uh, uh, Black, Black, something, Black Guard, something, I don't, I don't know any of these other characters, but they scrape the bottom of the barrel. Weasel, oh, <laughs> played by Sean Gunn, Weasel. <laughs> I knew right away that had to be some kind of comparison to Rocket Raccoon. You're going to have Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy. You're definitely going to have fucking Weasel in this movie. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing whenever he goes on screen because I watched it with my girlfriend the first time. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, he's an ugly motherfucker. And I'm like, I don't know what his deal is, but I fucking love him. I love him. <laughs> he didn't do much in the film and I fucking love him. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm getting way too hype over this, but that's how much I really enjoy the film. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So you have all these other characters, and all of a sudden, it was brilliant, because in the eyes of the audience, and in the eyes of Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis, clearly still a fucking cunt, she has these characters as expendable. And when you have all these other characters... That the majority of the audience really don't know too much about, especially your general your general audience, your not the hardcores, but your casual fans, when they have no clue who these characters are, it gives you more freedom to do whatever it is you want with them. And by the way, spoilers by the way, because it's on HBO Max and it's in theaters. And like I said, this is a deep dive, so I'm gonna go into full spoiler territory. You've been warned. Okay, here we go. So, when you have all these characters and they're expendable in your eyes and in the character's mindset, which is Amanda Waller, because let's face it, when they got into the island of, what is it, Corta Maltese? Ma uh, Corto, Carto Maltese? I don't know. It's, it's some kind of, you know, it's some kind of island or some kind of land that is always held by regimes and not refugees, but you know, people that want to enslave others. So it's usually one of that here to say. But you have all these characters, they're expendable, you can do whatever hell it is you want with them. And that gives you way more creative freedom to do, again, whatever it is you want. And I have to respect that. I have to respect the fact that James Gunn clearly made this movie his own. Because as I said from the beginning, Warner Brothers gave him full control. He gave him full control. And due to his 
experience with Guardians 1 and 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, not Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, you then think to yourself, okay, let me make this movie my way. And in the beginning, when the first Alpha team came in and they were they were essentially the distraction, but the real Task Force X, the real Suicide Squad that consists of Bloodsport, played by Idris Elba, Peacemaker, played by John Cena. Oh, by the way, Peacemaker, Jesus, I have to go into him very soon because John Cena, a douchey perspective of Captain America, a douchey Captain America, yeah, perfect casting, perfect casting. There was the rat catcher. I forgot her real name. I know it's either in Portuguese or some kind of Hispanic name, but I'm going to have to go into that maybe the next time. So I apologize that I don't, I apologize that I don't know her name, but she was adorable, bro. She was adorable. And the rat, Sebastian, the little rat. Oh my God. That, I wanted a white rat now. I, I want a pet rat. I really do. You know, a little white rat. But no, I can't have rodents in the fucking apartment. No, no. Anyway, then we got King Shark. King Shark. I don't think I've ever liked King Shark more than this movie. Because he was essentially a dumb idiot that can eat your fucking face off. I mean, he... he be like Nicolas Cage. He, he will rip your face off. And I can't do a Nicolas Cage impression. What the fuck am I doing? King Shark, I don't think I've ever liked him more because let's face it, whenever we see him in other variants of media, it's always through the DC animated films or it's always through maybe a video. I, I don't remember if I ever saw him in a video game, but I remember seeing him twice. It was in Assault on Arkham and it was in the Justice League Dark Apocalypse War movie. So I remember seeing him those. And I didn't really like him in the... Because he had no personality. He was like... He was just a muscle-bound... Sort of a, like an idiot. But in this movie... He's still a muscle-bound idiot. But there's some kind of... Lovable aspect to him. Because you can't help but feel... Sorry for him... Whenever people either... Leave him alone... Or when he's trying to create friends... With the little jellyfish... Monster things that just want to bite his fucking body off and there was something about King Shark that I thought god damn like these guys are lovable and maybe that's what I'm trying to get to at the end of the day is the fact that these characters are lovable and we love them in their own way I see a lot of comparisons when it comes to and of course it's going to be there when it comes to this movie and Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn has the potential to take misfits Characters, characters that doesn't belong, characters that ha- that doesn't fit in society very well, the outcasts, the misfits, the, 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 the throwaways, the deserters, and he can put them together. And as long as you put a group of people together that are very different and they have a common goal, you can fall in love with them. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, well, Garcia, what does this have to do, you know, because we see this all the time with Justice League and Guardians of the Galaxy and Defenders and all these other groups of heroes. I get that. I get that. But the main difference with them is with Justice League, Avengers, Defenders, and uh, Titans, you know, Teen Titans, all these other characters, all these other groups of heroes, they're heroes. 
So they're essentially you instantly get attached to them because they're the good guys. They they want to do good. They want to save the world. They want to help people. They inspire hope. They they do the things that makes us be connected to them more. These guys, on the other hand, like Suicide Squad, like almost any other bad group, Doom Patrol, for example, they're essentially not evil people. They're still the bad guys, but they're not really evil. Well, I have, to, I have to use the word evil very, very lightly because they do commit crime. They do commit murder, and that's not something that's ever condoned. But at the same time, you can't help but enjoy who these characters are because they're so different and they work together in so many unique ways. I mean, let's take Bloodsport and Peacemaker, for example, Idris Elba and John Cena, two alpha males two alpha males that were basically one-upping against each other. And the dynamic between them was spot on to a T from the beginning of their introduction all the way to the ending of the film. It was perfect. It was awesome. Then you got the Ratcatcher, Ratcatcher 2. Uh, Cleo, I think her character's name was. She was essentially the heart and soul of the entire film. And whenever she had Sebastian and, and, you know, she she doesn't really she's kind of naive, kind of a little bit of an idiot. But there's a there's a lovable aspect to her and you can't help but want to protect her and want to look after her and want to make sure that she's OK because, you know, she lost her father played by Taika Waititi. You know, that's you know, that's, there you go. There's a moment where. She has what it takes to take care of herself because she can control rats. But there is another sense where there's just something about her that makes you drawn into her. She reminds me a lot of... Mm, she reminds me a lot of... Let's see. Who who am I thinking? Because I, I was thinking Cat Valentine from Victorious. Victoria. Victorians? Victoria? Yeah, from Nickelodeon. She kind of reminds me a little bit of that, but it's a, she reminds me more of Crazy Jane, more of Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol. But the thing with Crazy Jane is, you know, with the 67 personalities, you know, one can pop up in every single one of them. But she was more of a sassy, tomboyish figure that can step on your toes and can tell you to fuck off whenever she wants. Ratcatcher 2, on the, on the other hand, more innocent. There, there's the word I'm looking for. She's more innocent. She's more peaceful. And she's more engaging. And the father-daughter dynamic between her and Bloodsport, Idris Elba, uh, I think his name was Dubois. I know it was a French name. But that was really, really spot on very, very well. And I really enjoyed that. I love seeing the returning characters of... Harley Quinn, which, by the way, that action scene in the movie, clearly that was her idea because she would not go forward probably doing more in terms of being Harley Quinn if she wasn't given or if she didn't demand an action scene. Because let's face it, we've seen her action scenes from Birds of Prey. And even though some of it was not really believable, in my opinion, it's not hard to fathom that a person that has been with the Joker and basically get their asses handed to them by Batman for many, many years, of course she's going to find a way to learn how to protect herself. And she's not going to be a damsel in distress. That's just, that's just not her character. She's 
a crazy person. And speaking of crazy, there is a scene, if you remember, where she shot the president of Corto Maltese. I, I, if I'm mispronouncing that word or the, the native land, I apologize. Again, it's those little details that kind of slips by me. But she shoots him in the chest and she explains that if she sees red flags that she was going to kill them. Now, here's the thing. Normally, when it comes to relationships or abusive relationships in any other fashion, whenever you see red flags, you don't go off and murder a motherfucker. You would either pack up your shit and fucking leave. That scene reminded us that even though she is lovable in her own way, she's still insane. She's still a crazy person. Regardless if whether he deserves it or not, whether the guy that got shot deserves it or not, because he was talking about killing people and killing innocent men, women, and children. Despite what you believe, she's still insane. And this movie made us, reminded us, that that's the kind of character that she is. All these characters, and apart from, apart from everybody else, played themselves beautifully. The polka dot man, for example. Wow. I felt I was rooting for him because his entire arc from the beginning of the movie was his mother wanted him to be a superhero. And he felt like he was either cheated out of a childhood or he felt like he wasn't good enough. And he sees his mom everywhere, which is funny as hell. He sees his mom everywhere and he hates her so much. But then right before his death, he yells out, I'm a fucking superhero. That was the, the, the pinnacle of his character that really made him feel, what's the word, self-fulfilling? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that word, those words, self-fulfilling. I was rooting for him. Me and, and my girlfriend, we were rooting for him. We were sad that he died. Oh, my God, we were heartbroken. We were like, ah, dude, you were one of the good ones. Even though you kill people throwing polka dots at people, you were one of the good ones. God damn it, man. I really enjoyed this movie. Starro, the Conqueror. Oh, my goodness, that... Have to get to him. Starro the Conqueror. Well, him. It. The fact that this movie played a darker version from what we've seen from Justice League Unlimited. Because if you remember, there was a scene in Justice League, the animated TV show, where Starro was doing the same thing. He was basically having people... What Was it Justice League? Or was it Batman Beyond? I know it was a it was a Batman Beyond type of, a, uh, of an episode. But there we go. Yes, Batman Beyond. So Starro was controlling people. And all he wanted was to be free. All he wanted was live a life of peace. And in this movie, it kind of seems like that. But there's more to it than that. Because in the animated show, they took the star off of people. And their faces weren't ripped off. Their skins weren't ripped off in star-shaped faces. And I thought that was very interesting in terms of detail. Because this movie was way darker than what we got from the animated episode. But Starro, in a way, kind of a... um, I don't want to go as far as to say he's a tragic type of a villain. Or a tragic... Well, kind of tragic. Because he said he was happy. He was happy in the stars. And it was the government... 
you know, the American government and they are the ones that took him. And of course, whenever it comes to every single movie character perspective, there's always a government, there's always a conspiracy, there's always some kind of illegal experimentation on people to test them and use them for weapons against terrorists and shit like that. There's that that perspective is so cliched. It's insane. It's like writing one one, for example. But in this movie, it works because, again, let's go back to the beginning. This movie is not a, it is a sequel to the first Suicide Squad movie from 2016, but it's not a direct sequel and it's not really a spinoff either, or it, it kind of is. It's, it stands on its own two feet and that's what I can appreciate the most. It's, it's a movie that can stand on its own two feet. It doesn't have to you know, address anything of what happened with the first Suicide Squad movie. It doesn't have to address what happened with the Justice League, even though it was Idris Elba that did say that he shot Superman with the kryptonite bullet. Badass with that. It's a movie that can stand on its own, and that's what makes me appreciate that much more. That's why I absolutely enjoy this movie. So, I was trying to get to a point with Starro, but... I completely forgot, I'm sorry, I completely forgot my train of thought. Overall, this movie was fucking awesome. This movie was awesome. If there's one little thing that I kind of have a little bit of a complaint about, I really wanted them to do a bit more with a couple of the characters, excuse me, and see if they can do more with the characters that supposedly died from the first film and ended up surviving at the ending credits. For example, Weasel. Can you imagine a dynamic where you got Weasel and he's freaking out Idris Elba? Even though Weasel is not really a rat, he is a little bit of the rodent-type family. I I don't know. Maybe that's me being a little nitpicky, but that's kind of what I want. You know, you gave us Rocket Raccoon in Guardians. You can give us Weasel in this one too. You can give us a little bit more of Weasel. And even though he wasn't going to be able to do anything, can you just imagine him and Idris Elba or him and, you know, some kind of dynamic with uh, him and the rat? Like they're trying to compete against each other in some way. I don't know. Something, again, it's nitpicking. It's nitpicking. Oh, I'm going on and on so much on this one. Overall, I love this movie. I really did. James Gunn blew us away. I know that there were some people that were complaining that Will Smith didn't come into this movie. That did they fire Will Smith? No, they didn't fire Will Smith. I think what happened was, and you can find sources to this, he had scheduling conflicts and he couldn't make it for this film. But he has a great relationship with Warner Brothers Unlike some people that wants to sue Disney, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Scarlet Joe, he has a great relationship with Warner Brothers, and I'm sure that if he wants to come back, he is more than welcome to come back, especially when he's done so much for them and they've done so much for him. So I would love to see a third Suicide Squad movie in some way, shape, or form. Will it happen? I honestly don't know. 
Sometimes when certain movies that are standalone are so great and so awesome, if it does very well at the global box office, well, now that it's been distributed on Disney, I'm sorry, on HBO Max as well, the box office may not reflect that as much. But at the same time, if the people want it, and if James Gunn is passionate about it, chances are he can do it. Now, how can you top off facing off against a gigantic kaiju monster like Starro and make sure you can also stand on your own two feet. It's not going to be easy, especially with four characters surviving at the ending of the film. Yeah, King Shark, Bloodsport, Harlequin, Ratcatcher, and you can throw in Sebastian as well. Oh, and before I end this, let me just go back to Peacemaker real quick. John Cena as Peacemaker, as I said earlier, perfect casting. A douchebag type of a Captain America. And apparently he's also going to get his own spin-off show in terms of what made him what he is. So it's essentially an origin type of a story. However, I would not be surprised because he did survive at the end credit scene if you stick around for that. I would not be surprised if he has some kind of beef again with the Suicide Squad, or maybe they can put him against at least one of the members of the Justice League. At least one of them, in some way, shape, or form. John Cena, you know, his acting from past movies, his acting was a little, you know, tolerable. But this one killed it as Peacemaker. Killed it. You know, the entire, this entire, the cast, the crew... The, the dark tone of the DC movie with bright colors and wacky content. This is a comic book movie in all of its essence. My guy. This is a comic book movie. It's dark and it's light at the same time. It has balance. It has great humor. It has, you know, um, a, a heartbreaking moment. You care about the characters. You care about what's going on. They, they, the story is very linear and they can follow it to a T. I want to give this movie a 5 out of 5. I really, really do. But like I said, it's not perfect. If there's, again, if there's a couple more nippicky things that I'm thinking about, if it comes to my head in some way, shape, or form, I'll probably mention it maybe the next time. But I think this is by far one of the top five DC movies that I've ever seen. Top five. Honestly, yes, top five. Maybe I'm saying this due to recency bias. Maybe I'm doing it because I can't think of any other major flaws with this movie. Maybe they could have utilized the beginning of the characters that much more. But overall, I enjoyed it. If I have to give a rating, I want to give this a... I used to base it out of 10, but I feel like 10 is very, very wide in terms of margin. So I'm going to base it out of 5. You know, 1 to 5. I'm going to give this movie... A strong 4.5 out of 5. There you go. Four point. I will give this movie a 4.5 out of 5. That's how much I love this film. It's not perfect, but it's definitely one of the top ones. And that's all I got to say about that. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast, Outside the Comics Volume 2. More and more changes will be happening in the later future. 
some audiograms will be released. You know, now I found a way to actually do some little clips. I'm not going to do it with this one yet, but I will do it for a future type of a movie or a show or film. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to hit me up. Voice of Garcia on my Twitter and Instagram. Go on my website, voiceofgarcia.com. You can email me there, voiceofgarcia at gmail.com. If you need help in anything you need, if you want a shout out, if you want to be on the podcast, let me know. We can try to schedule as best I can. I know I said before that there were a couple of guests that were supposed to be coming on, but due to scheduling conflicts, we didn't happen. Though, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I understand the timing of me dropping the episodes have not been very consistent. I apologize for that. I'm trying to get better in terms of doing that. But with other things that's going on in my life, voiceover, radio, you're trying to pay the bills and everything else. I'm, I'm trying my best here. I really am. So please be patient and I will deliver you much more content. I'm even thinking about getting back on TikTok. I'm strongly thinking about that. I want to put myself more out there for you, the people, because we serve the people. We, the people. My voice is crackling. My voice is running out. Let's go into our supervillain quote of the day because this is episode 132 and this one is from the cunt herself, Amanda Waller. And she said from the first Suicide Squad movie, everyone has a weakness and a weakness can be leveraged. And my reaction to that is to this Amanda Waller. You are probably one of the biggest cunts I've ever seen in my life. But yet you played it so beautifully and I have no choice but to respect you. And yet all I want is for someone to punch you in the face or whack you upside the head. Oh wait, yes, that did happen in the Suicide Squad film. And I was happy to see that. Guys, that's all we have for today. Tune in next. Hopefully I can come back on Monday or Tuesday morning, depending on how my schedule is, where we will talk more on the... All of the happenings in the world of comic book news, games, shows, whatever the case may be. No, I will not review the second Venom trailer because I said it before that after one trailer, I stopped viewing everything else. I don't want to spoil the films, the, the trailers, because sometimes they put way too much in trailers. I don't want to see any more trailers for Venom, even though I love Venom. But... September 24th, only a month and a half away. Oh, things are going to get chaotic. Carnage will reign. As I said, if there's anything else in the world of news, games, shows, whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, have a great weekend. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.